Welcome to the Digiday Podcast. I'm very happy to be uh, joined today by uh, John Levy. John is the CEO of um, of the Score. Um, for those who do not know the Score, go through just very briefly the sort of history. I mean, because you guys, um, you know, were founded differently. I mean, you you were in the TV business. Yeah, it's uh, well. It's, you know, it's when I, when I start to tell the story uh, is when everybody in my company's eyes start to roll yeah. because they've heard it a hundred freaking times. But um, you know, without going too far back, I mean, I actually grew up in the cable TV business. My dad was one of the first guys in cable in Canada, one of the pioneers. So as a kid, I grew up in the cable business, and uh, you know, during rounds of consolidation, run by family businesses, similar to what happened, you know, was the experience in the states in the media business. So um, you know. Cable industry, this was in the 50s. He started in the late 50s. So cable, in, I'm not that old. I was a kid at the time. <laughs> anyway, the, 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 uh, the you know, cable industry grew. During rounds of consolidation, we bought other cable companies. And then before we sold it, um, in, uh, in, in 79, we started a TV network called The Score. And we got our license. And it was kind of cool because um, our version of ESPN Wait, in had 79, was there cable? In 79? Oh, we, we started, my dad started his cable company in 59. Oh my God. Yeah, I mean, it, it, again, it was a different demographic, like that. In Canada, you needed cable because you got to get the damn US signals in clear. And in my town, which is Hamilton outside of Toronto, there's this thing we call a mountain, which is really an escarpment. <laughs> and the signals for Buffalo, ABC, NBC, CBS, and PBS bounced off this goddamn escarpment. Nobody could get reception clear. Oh. So cable actually was, was long before, uh, in Canada, long before it was in the US. Okay, so, see, I grew up without anyway, cable. Long, I grew that's, up with that's I grew up without cable, so I, I, right, I, I was, right. I was so, 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 that was way, that was part. Anyway, anyway, so cable grew, but we before we sold it to another uh, MSO in Canada, uh, we we started a TV network called The Score, and it was kind of fun and cool because, as I said, ES, our ESPN called TSN had a ten-year head start on us, and what we did is we basically it was actually data on a screen with a ticker on the bottom, sure. and it literally before we got our license uh, from the federal government, our our FCC is called the CRTC. Because it was only data on a screen, like, um, we didn't need a license. So we actually launched this service in Canada. It's kind of like internet on television before internet existed. It was just and data. There wasn't like highlights? Data, originally, right. And there was a ticker on the bottom. And guess what the ticker had on it? The odds of oh, sports. Okay. So uh, apropos to what we're going to get to and what we're yeah. going to talk about, our approach to sports was always more open and authentic. And then after we got our license in 96... It allowed us to do video. It became like a highlight channel. It's kind of like ESPN News yeah. for what you guys uh, had. There was something very similar that was on the, the something called the Financial News Network, if I'm remembering it correctly, in like the 80s. You're right. You're absolutely right. It was kind of like because when the markets closed, you know, there wasn't anything for the financial news network. To, we're going way back, but like uh, this is going to yeah, be the least yeah. listened to podcast in the history of the DJ podcast. <laughs> there, there was okay. something that's okay. In the financial news we network. The <laughs> we'll enjoy it, John. Uh, there was something the financial news network Direct. then had like the highlights, and I I do honestly think it's interesting because it was like. It, it was, I was like obsessed with it. Like, you know, it, well, cause it had the scores and it was really impossible to get all the data of, of sports at that time. You know, we're laughing and we're joking about this, but the reality is the reason it was successful. And the reason I think we've been successful is because what those TV networks did was it put you in a direct connection with the user. There was no fluff. There was no bullshit. It was all, so I don't know. It was all about trying to provide 
data, content, mm -hmm. information to the end user in a form and a fashion that was useful for them. You know, when we launched the TV now, we had we had this this data flowing like twenty four seven. You didn't yeah. have to wait for sports. You didn't have to and, wait. And, for and tell reports. me if I'm wrong, but like because it was here, like ESPN was trying to make you wait for Sports Center, right? And I don't know if CSN was doing the same thing. Yeah. And what what Bang on. what TFN or whatever it was called then was doing was I didn't have to wait for Sports Center to get right. all the scores. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it was again getting back to what I just said. It's give people what they want when they want it in the most convenient fashion. And, and, and that's what the TV network did. So the TV network grew, grew, and we eventually got, you know, I, I, so many stories. But I mean, for example, after we got our license, we said, okay, it's time to grow up. We're going to get real sports on this network, right? So somehow we have to get some live event programming on it, right? So at the time, Major League Baseball became available in Canada. Now, not TSN, of course, T uh, not the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays went to the big sports network mm -hmm. in Canada. So, but all the rest of baseball came up. And I happened to have contacts at MLB. And they said, look, if you want the rights to all Major League Baseball in Canada, you can have it on your network. So we signed this deal, which way above our, 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 our rate class in terms of what we spent for it. Um, we end up, you know baseball, we got how many games a night? Like 14 games a night. Yeah. And all I got is one level for Stunkana. TV network, how am I going to do this? So what we decided to do was rather than, you know, just pick a game and put it on, what we decided to do was we said, okay, we got all these feeds coming in. Most baseball games for the duration of most of the game is kind of boring. So, you know, except to the officiados of baseball. So what we said is, let's just flip from game to game. And when shit's happening or when something's excited, bases are loaded, we'll go to that game. If a guy's got to go no hitter, we'll go to that game. So we you invented the red surfing. zone basically, John. I'm actually, I know, I'm not, actually, we had it before Red Zone. It was called Diamond Surfing. And people loved it. And not only did we do that, we also surveyed our users on the TV network and said, what game do you want to watch? So that would be a game that we highlight. Of course, we never actually listened to what, <laughs> I picked the game I wanted to see if the Red Sox <laughs> were on or the Yankees or the Jays. So, but, but in all seriousness, it was just this relationship we had with our users. And that's really what, sort of was the key of, our, I think, our success. Because, um, you know, first of all, it's a younger audience. Second of all, you're fulfilling it. And second, and thirdly, the brand be became to mean something to the user. It wasn't just this thing that could be transported from one channel to another channel. The score actually meant something to people. And, and um, our audience was younger. So what happened? Our audience started gravitating towards mobile technology. They're the first ones to start using uh, phone, phones for other so things other than just uh, talking and making conversations. So we, in fact, um, our first mobile app, sports mobile app, was on the Razer flip phone. And, uh, you know, we thought we were pretty hot because we were the first ones to have a sports app on a mobile device. Mm -hmm. It was cool business, three bucks a month. The developer got some, the carrier got some, and we got a third. So, and we sold about 40 or 50,000 of these things on a monthly basis. We thought, boy, we're really cooking now. But the business model sucked. I mean, we couldn't make any money at it. And we're just about to fold this thing. And then all of a sudden, this company in Waterloo, Ontario called BlackBerry shows up with a really sophisticated device. We're already in the business. So now what we had our engineers do is port that app from a flip phone, which was probably a dying technology, to the next generation, which was a BlackBerry. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden things really start. Now to was come. this targeted? Because I think moving from a TV world into a digital world, to, I mean, you're 
competitive set is different, right? I mean, you're in Canada, so like, you know, you're truly in a North American market then and, and you're going up against American companies too. Uh, Correct. American in the US, US companies. No, no, no. Correct. And, and you, you actually, again, you, you sort of hit the nail on the head. The, what, what happened is that was, our, that was our aha moment because we knew um, once, once we were on a serious mobile device, and don't tell Motorola I wasn't, I'm not calling the Razer a serious device, but once we got onto a sophisticated device, we knew we were going to kick butt in Canada, for sure, because everybody loved the score, coast to coast. We knew we were the cool young sports network. But it was a but Canadian brand. It, it was a Canadian, that's all it ever saw. Yeah, right, sure. right. Because the TV network was only in Canada, right? But what happened was, and what we didn't anticipate, was our pickup on the BlackBerry on mobile on a mobile world was coming six, eight to one out of the States. Nobody knew who the hell we were. Nobody knew who the score was. And all of a sudden, we're getting downloads you know, seven, eight times what we were getting in Canada. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of our aha moment. Now, and le- tell me, wh- why was that? Was that just because like ESPN and stuff was was slow? Because like, I mean, yes. ESPN is, well, I don't know if you know this, but ESPN is pretty big, John. It, they're, they're... they're kind of uh, the Coke of <laughs> sports. But I, I don't, but yeah, but, but big doesn't always mean, I don't want to say, be- listen, I, I grew up on our version of ESPN, TSN in Canada, right? I mean, it made my cable network. Right, we were able to carry live sports. Oh my God, I got to charge a lot of money to my customers. They loved it. Blah blah blah. But what makes you strong sometimes kills you. And and I, you know, in in this particular context, their focus was television. They didn't really think about the world. They were making gobs of money. They were getting yeah. ten dollars a month out of your cable bill. It was all about protecting that. It was all about protecting. We're showing up. And, and we're saying, you know, we had a great, you know, the TV business was starting to become profitable and stuff, but we never had sort of focus on sort of it as an isolated incident. It's who's the customer, what does the customer want, and how do I facilitate that? And if the customer starts to shift from, from this medium to that medium to this medium, uh, you know, just follow them. Just, just try to continue to satisfy and scratch that itch and, and, and make it available. And, and I think our success was A, because nobody else was in mobile space at that time, and B, it was a great device, and people were starting to use it for something other than communicating on, on uh, making phone calls, um, and it worked, and we were early. So early in the apps, you know, um, you know, then iOS shows up, then Android shows up, and we were already in the business. And ESPN, so, the phone, and, showed up right before that. Right. That didn't work. Right. So, so the bottom line is we were in early, we were good because, you know, we were working at it. It's not a simple thing, right? I mean, you, you just can't say, okay, let's create a, an app. I mean, and let, you know, let's make it work and let's make the interface seamless and miss, make it the, the user-friendly. So, you know, we ranked high in the store. So when people were scoping out and searching for sports apps, um, you know, we were always re- close to the top. So, okay, more history. TV grows, 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 becomes profitable, Meanwhile, we're incubating this thing inside of it, this digital world that nobody knows about except us, Mm -hmm. spending a lot of money developing this stuff, um, carrying the same attitude of the TV network. Like, you know, our guys on the desk on the TV network never wore a shirt and tie. There were two guys that couldn't get a job at ESPN or TSN if their life depended on it. 
you know, they're watching a football game and somebody kicks a goddamn field goal that goes over a 20 point spread and the guys on ESPN and TSN go, oh, I think that's interesting. And our guys are fucking pulling their hair out because they lost a $20 <laughs> bet. That attitude yeah. sort of transferred over into sort of our digital world, right? And so next time Rogers showed up wanting to buy the TV network to make it their fifth or sixth sports network to try to fulfill whatever mandate they were trying to fulfill, we decided it's time. It's time to sort of, and it was hard. We created this thing. We loved it, yeah. but we sold it to Rogers. But, you know, good to be lucky and lucky to be good because it was Rogers. We, we um, A, didn't sell the digital, tech, the digital technology. We didn't sell the mobile app or our web application because they didn't give a crap about it, quite frankly. And number two, the real lucky thing is we get, were able to hold the brand because when you're selling to a Comcast or when you're selling to a Rogers, their brand is king and your brand doesn't mean crap. So we were able to hold on to the score. And then we became really the first and only sort of exclusively mobile digital uh, sports business in North America. So app continues to grow. Now we're completely focused. We had 300 employees when we sold the TV asset. 240 of them went to Rogers and we kept 60. So we ran up mm -hmm. the street, took a new office in Toronto, downtown Toronto. And this was in um, 2007? Yeah, 2000, no, this was about, uh, we sold the TV asset was about eight years, yeah, eight, eight or nine years ago. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so explain though what, what, what you see in because I want to like fast forward to today, like, I yeah. mean, because it's a gigantic, <laughs> okay, it's, it's a gigantic market, right? I mean, mm -hmm. but at the same time, it's a, it's an unbelievably competitive market with tons of like entrenched players. I mean, like I, I mentioned, you know, ESPN, obviously, you know, just the fact that they call themselves the worldwide leader in sports would possibly give, give someone pause. What is the sort of niche or lane that you see for the score um, that can't be filled by either ESPN or Bleacher Report or any of the others? Well, I think there's a big difference between ESPN and Bleacher Report, first of, of all. Of course. And it's interesting you say ESPN says the world, world leader in sports, right? Like, like that is that was their mantra. Yeah. Um, and but, you know, when you stick to that, you know, like my, my view is that today I'm not sure you could say the same thing. Right. I'm not saying the score is the worldwide leader in sports. Um, nor would I ever set myself up to profess to be the worldwide leader of sports. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like um, you you uh, it's not so much about that. It's just, it's more about staying in step with the audience that you've got. So. Talking about how can we compete, I think you, uh, and it's a good question also, not only in the media business, but in the sports betting business, right? Because sure. now we're up against other behemoths. You know, we got this little company called DraftKings, which, you know, now we're $10 billion. You know, we've got uh, FanDuel, we've got, you know, Bet3, got the invaders from Europe coming in, you know, in terms of yeah. big brands. And and I, I think, first of all, you always have to have the capital. So you, you can't be silly about this stuff. You always have to be able to attack, uh, you know, attract enough capital in your business to be able to do the sort of things that you have to do. Um, but you also want to be smart about it and, um, and how you deploy the capital. And um, for example, I'll talk, like in the betting business, right? Let's, let's sort of fast forward a little bit um, yeah. into, uh, uh, in, into score bet. Because um, I think that's that's know, a great we, example. Because like what I'm trying to get at is like you know when you're going up against some behemoth, you know you, you you find the lanes. You don't like try to. It's like I remember Google. Like you know whenever when people were trying to out Google Google, it's like why? 
Like, I mean, you're just going to lose that. But like, you know, right. when you really focus in on areas like, let's say sports betting, you know, that this was, right. it's getting a lot of attention now, but it was not getting a lot of attention for a long time, at least in the U.S. For sure. For sure, because predominantly because it wasn't legal. <laughs> That's one yeah. of the reasons. Well, I was still but that going didn't on. stop people from betting. I mean, people, you know, listen, everybody's all. But I mean, I'll say this: like, you know, Bill Simmons was ahead of his time with talking about it because, like, like you were saying on ESPN, it's sure. like, oh no, we can't mention like you know that mm-hmm. that you know that person like you know you'd have someone score a meaningless basket and the whole exactly. uh, the whole crowd was cheering and the the announcers wouldn't even mention that they just like screwed right. up a bunch of people's right. bets. Right. It's it's it. Well, I think that's a big part of it. I mean, you know, what you want to do is you you want to be real. You want to be authentic. You want to connect with the sports fan, with the end user. And there seemed there was a growing disconnect between what the traditional TV sports guys were doing and what the end, you know, what the end user wanted. And it's all, you know, there's a, a million factors for it. I mean, you know, historically, what did I do? I used to sit down in front of the television set and watch Hockey Night in Canada or watch CFL or watch NFL and didn't watch much basketball before the Raptors showed up, although I did like it. So, but, you know, you didn't have all these other distractions or capable ways of, 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 of engaging or doing things. Um, it's a, there's a lot of generational shit going on here too. I mean, I don't know if you've got a family or kids, but like there's, there's just so much taking their attention that they're not going to sit there and watch a four hour game. They're not. I mean, and, and, you know, for sports teams and leagues, and they're, they're all, they're all looking at this. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're having enough trouble keeping people engaged watching a football game because football is made for television, not so much made for, for the uh, in stadium. So I think a lot of it relates to the fact that you have to stay in tune with what the audience wants. And as the audience and younger generations are moving away from traditional ways of consuming content, you're either going to be trying to force it down their throat in the traditional way with your legacy assets, or you adapt and say, keep your ears open and say, okay, what can I do for you? How do I do this? So when did you see betting as an opportunity? Okay. So remember I said we started the TV network and we put the ticker on the bottom with the odds on it? It wasn't that we were that smart. It's just, I mean, I like to think we are a little bit smart. But the reality (laughs) is betting is a part of sports, newsflash, right? It's always been there. It will always be there. Um, It's survived years of people having to go to the corner and bet with uh, the thugs and and bookies and mobsters. And and then it went to sort of offshore gray markets. And they start trying, the U.S. particularly tried to stop that, but it continued on. Um, and you know, Canada was a little different because it wasn't a black market, it was a gray market. So the government sort of turned their back on it a little bit and said, well, we don't think it's really kosher, but we're not going to do anything about it. So, but the bottom line is our view about sports betting is really different than, than most. Okay. Um, which you're probably not surprised at Mm -hmm. thinking, talk, having talked to me to understand how we sort of go about shit. So, um, if you look at the traditional, uh, way sports betting has been launched in Europe and even in North America in the offshore and black markets. How people bet is through betting um, apps. And they're really nothing more than a transactional app, right? If you want to make a bet, you go to the, the old apps, and, and some of them were better than others, but they're basically just transactional. So I'm a sports guy, you're a sports guy. I get all my data, I get all my content. I think about what I want to do. I talk to my friends, I go to a game and... They say, okay, time to make a bet. So what do you do? So you go to a betting app and you make a bet. 
what our philosophy has always been is that because betting is on sports is just sort of one reason why people are passionate about sports and why how why they love sports mm-hmm. is don't treat it as this behemoth yeah. thing that's way it's out a there. Feature, it's a feature. It's a feature, not a product. Is sort Correct. of what you're saying. Correct. And you know, we spent millions and millions of dollars and years and years building this amazing brand called the Score. We have this engagement with our users. We know they're betters. I know you're a better. I know you're. I'm actually not a better, but that's. I, well, I, I'm, I I'm an anomaly. <laughs> I, this is an age thing, but, and whatever. Okay, your neighbor, your friend, your kid, your whatever, whoever. You know, um, I can tell he's a better. First of all, I know where he lives. I know where he's from. I know what teams he follows. He tells me. I know what players he follows. So he's probably a, a, a fantasy player, right? People on our app. I remember I told you we're the second most popular app in North America. What we are probably the, however, we have the highest level of engagement. People on our app, on average, hit our app between 100 and 130 times a month. When they're watching a game and they got a bet on a game, they're slamming my app, their app, it's my app, the score <laughs> to, to, up to refresh to get the scores, right? When we introduced a thing called chat on our app and we went in and looked at it and it was um, a terrific feature that we only launched about two years ago, you know, we wanted to test you know, the fact that our app was really one directional. And even though it's very personalized and that you can pick your team, because there's a whole fire hose of content and data. We have, you know, 300, 400 pieces of original content we create a day from our own team that we pump out through the app. Nobody's going to read all that crap. On a, uh, so I, I got to direct it to you as you want it. So, you know, we, the, the, you know the, the bottom line is, is that we, we, we introduced chat, which was the feature for people to communicate with each other in our app, right? And um, we wanted to just test how that sort of interaction would would work rather than it just be one directional or we just continue to feed you data, right? So people loved it, picked it up. What we didn't anticipate, although we should have, is when we started to look and see what people chat, 50% of all the conversations, what do you think they were about? Who you got tonight? Yeah. What's the spread? Who do you like? Oh, you're full of crap. They're never going to win this game. Blah, blah, blah. So we know uh, uh, upwards of 50% of all of our users bet on sports. Oh, okay, 50%. Right? We, that's that's good Yeah, data. we know that from our own data, from third-party data. So, so, but you decided, and maybe this has been in Canada where it's it's a little bit more gray market, but like it seems- Wait, hold on. Wait, just, oh, go ahead. 70, 70% of our users come from the States. Right. So when you say we're in Canada, yes, it's stunning. No, I didn't Canada, mean that, but, but I meant I meant, I meant right. more just the, the environment there with betting is a little different. And I think we were we were right. a little bit behind if we're, um, you know, U.S. U.S. companies tend to be a little bit U.S. centric <laughs> uh, and not look uh, to to other markets. Um, but I want to like get to because I mean a lot of companies here are avoiding becoming taking bets themselves. They see this Correct. as an alternative to shore up a declining um, advertising business and saying, "Well, Correct. we can make money directing it, but we're not going to actually be um, a, you know bookmaker ourselves, the operator." Yeah, right. But you're lo- taking a different approach. Correct. And I, I think if, again, sort of part of the reason I went through all the history and all that sort of stuff was because um, when PASPA fell, okay, that was the big aha moment, right? That was the big, my God, it's here, right? And, and you know, we, we could have gotten involved in the gray market before PASPA fell. There was lots of opportunities for us to do stuff that other companies Wait, were can doing you ex- to try can to you capitalize. Explain that for- 
Well, I mean, a lot of other some companies decided to go offshore, yeah. create subs, and go to you know the Isle of Man, and then sort of get in the betting business and sort of participate in this gray market sort of stuff. And we decided real early in the game, not just because we're a public company, but because we always hoped and prayed that at some point the governments would recognize that instead of all of letting these dollars float up to heaven. Right, they might as well just license, tax it, and you know participate in this thing because it's a multi-billion-dollar business, and which which leads to another discussion about why we think it's going to really accelerate after we come out of this pandemic because governments are going to have to yeah. sort of repl- replenish, right? So I think you're going to see a lot more states legalize. They're going to have to find anyway, getting- new revenue sources, and this is an obvious right. one because they're they're not going to get you know. Every politician doesn't want to raise taxes or get like slammed in in ads Correct. for raising taxes, and so Correct. this is an easy one. It's Correct. Correct. Not, Absolutely. I mean, it's still taxes, no, it, but it's just like they're not going to get slammed. It's, and it's voluntary, <laughs> but it's voluntary contributions, right? Because people getting back to why why we why we decided so PASPA fell, and that was really the time at which we had to make our decision. Um, do we? do what most other media, sports media companies were going to do, which is sort of play at the fringe. In other words, we, we could have been a super, super affiliate. And what that means is because we have this massive audience, because they're engaged, because we know they bet on sports, I could have gone to the other you know, companies getting involved in sports betting and just become an affiliate, right? I can direct my users to your betting site. You give me a percentage of what they bet on your site. And Bob's your uncle. I'm happy. And in the short term, I can't tell you how lucrative that would have been. We know because in the old days of uh, poker, right, with poker stars and all those guys, I can't tell you how much money we made off of those guys that they threw it because, you know, that was a crossover between sports guys and poker. Or DFS, the Daily Fantasy Days, right? Fandle, draft, all these guys, they spend like drunken sailors. So, you know, we used to take it in. You'd take it in. I mean, I got users who want to do that. So so we sat there and said, okay, do we want to make all these amazing short-term games, which would have been quite favorable for, for the company, or do we really take a more holistic approach to this thing? We've spent all this time, money, and all this years developing this relationship, this trusted relationship under our brand and their betters. We've done all the tough shit. Why don't we just, and getting back to our philosophy, which is, you know, sports betting isn't this behemoth thing out in the wings. It's just a part of why people love sports. So why don't we just give them the opportunity under our brand to bet on sports? So you see this, I mean, this is a longer term play than setting up an affiliate business that takes advantage of, um, you know. Short term games. Okay. For sure. Um, For sure. And it's, and it's, 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 in, in our view, would have been, Ridiculous, because you know, um, um, you know, we think that if we play this right, um, we actually, because of our user base and and because of the way we're integrating sports betting into it, and in fact, what we've done is when we've designed our sports app called the Score Bet, for example, that was launched in New Jersey and that we're going to launch in, you know, in Indiana and in Colorado, um, hopefully in front of this year's NFL season. Um, the, the experience to the end user is completely in sync with just being a score user. So for in other words, once you registered in New Jersey for score bet, because you had to do it separately because there's all the re- rules and regulations and we had to get licensed, which was a whole other reason why a lot of the other big media companies yeah. aren't getting 
into the business isn't just because it's hard. It's a hassle. And it's expensive. It's a big hassle. And a lot of these guys don't want to go through the proctology examination yeah. <laughs> that they go through to get a license. It's hard, right? It's very difficult. Um, and one of the reasons, apropos of what I said earlier, where we wanted to keep ourselves really clean because mm-hmm. we knew the licensing would be, would be very strict. And if you were doing sort of gray stuff sure. or offshore stuff historically, you'd be in trouble. So what are you seeing? I mean, like, so, um, you know, Penn, you know, taking that, Giant stake in Barstool. I know Barstool is a little bit different, but it's still. Um, I think it it um, it sort of shows where the winds are going. I mean, are, are, should we expect this? Um, you know, uh, front office sports had a, had a, had a report um, that um, that DraftKings was at least kicking the tires on making a, a play for that. nature report. Is this something we should expect? This melding of. Um, of of betting companies with um, with uh, sports content uh, enterprises. Well, that's that's who we are. That is us. I mean, we're already there. We are a sports content company that's in the sports betting right. business. And I think I think um, um, I, 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 we're the only ones that are doing it now. I'm not so bold as to think we're going to be the only ones who are going to be doing it in the future. But I think. I think it's the right business model, to be quite honest. And when you when when you th- when you when you think more than just oh, I got to go out and buy market share. And honestly, that's what the big guys are doing. That's what the DraftKings and you know FanDuel have been fighting. You know, as they launched in New Jersey, and they spend like crazy to acquire users. Right? Yeah. You couldn't go the to getting, a game. The could, getting was good for a while there with DraftKings and FanDuel when they were um, battling going at it. it. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like. The user cost, the cost of that acquisition is crazy. And the question is, over the longer term, is it sustainable, right? I mean, listen, they're smart guys. Jason's is really, they're all really smart guys. They've, you know, it's only a $10 billion company now, by the way. Yeah. It's not, you know, they've done amazing. Uh, the markets, there's all this pent up demand for, for, com- for investors to be buying into sort of betting plays because it's the hot thing right now, right? So, but I mean, when when you see the sort of things you're talking about, I mean, I I, I think that's the that's the way of the future. I mean, as I as I said before, I, I don't think betting is this isolated event. And when you think about how you build it, it's not only about acquiring the user; it's about keeping the user. And remember, like I said, our our users come back to us a hundred times a month. Well, that's what I think is interesting: is the way you keep people is not providing necessarily just the utility of placing a bet. That's necessary but insufficient. The, 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 I'm going to use the word content, even though I hate it. Like the content is what gets people coming back. It can be the data, exactly. the scores or the lines or whatever, but you have to excel at content, right? Correct. Correct. I mean, and this is just the beginning. I mean, like, for example, on our app, you go in and I mean, right now it's like simple stuff. I mean, we're, and we're the only ones doing it, but it's simple stuff. Like you're on our app and you're looking at a box score and you're seeing the Sixers or something and you think, Jesus, you know, I want, I, you know, before the game, right? And you're reading all the content. Yeah, I think they're a good play tonight. What's the spread? I'm telling you, I want to make a bet. So in our app, you actually click, you build your bet slip and you're actually doing that all in the media app. And then when you finally want to make a bet, then it then slides you, you back you. into okay. the betting app. And then as soon as your bet's made, because it has to be made over there, we bring you right back because you know what you're going to do during the game? You're going to bet in game, right? Sure. 40 or 50% of all the bets now are in game. So you have to have that content. You have to have that engagement. Okay, so your long-term bets, 
so to speak, are one that when we come out of this in into this uh, you know economic calamity, um, states are going to in in the United States are, are going to legalize. There's going to the dominoes will, more of them. Right. The dominoes will fall. Um, yes. The other sort of bet is that you know the the cost of acquisition is going to be such that you're going to need to have this combination of the actual means to place a bet and the information and content um, that brings people in regularly. Right. We, we, our prime source of new users is our user base. Sure. It makes sense, right? I mean, it's like, like you think you're saying something that's like genius, but it's, it's, it's so simple and silly, right? I mean, it's, it's like if I know that 50% of my users bet on sports, so... Just make it easy for them to bet through us and make it fun and make it mm -hmm. exciting and make it more useful to do it through us. Now, obviously, I, I have to have the right technology. Yeah. I have to have the right promotions. I can't be an idiot yeah, about yeah. It's this. Not, I mean, it's not a if, trivial if, thing to do, but I'm just saying from a big picture. And I think the third bet, and tell me if I'm wrong here, yep. is that ESPN won't do this. Well, I, you know, listen, I, you never want to say never. Uh, because who knows? But They're owned by I think Disney. You're right. They're not going to do it. They're owned by Disney. Correct. Correct. So I don't think they will. But again, I never like to anticipate stuff like that. I never want to like put. I never like to put blinders up or let my guards down. Right? Because I want to act like they're going to come. Right? I want to act like they're going to come, and I want to be in such a good. I want the score to be so entrenched and so well liked and so efficient. Uh, at what they do, that even if they come, you know, th that was kind of our attitude when we launched the app. I mean, wh why did we, why did the why were this little silly score become the second largest app in North America? How could that happen? It happened because we wanted it to happen, and because we were paying attention to what the users wanted, and we didn't have legacy stuff that we had to protect. But but um, you know, because we're now the only sports media company that's in, that that's the operator, I don't think we're always going to be that. But I think we got a chance to take that lead position sure. and be that company over the next one, two, five years. So when I, first of all, it's a huge business. There's there's lots of room for more than one of us. Um, yeah, I mean, how and, how big? What are what are the projections for for oh legal betting? I mean, you could be the number three player and be just fine. I think. <laughs> there's there's you know the the estimated it, once you, if you cover I think some I'm saying like the statistics in terms of amount wagered is like you know let's look out five years and let's say. 80 to 90% of the population is covered by, in, the states have opened up, right? And, and the, so therefore the Texases, the Californias, yeah. the, the Floridas, they all have, they came on board, which is going to take some time. I mean, we're talking about hundreds and so, billions so of dollars So let me ask you this wagering. on those projections, because I mean, I think, yeah, I'm going to compare it to the legalization yeah. of cannabis um, here. And that like, you know, some of the projections yeah. were actually, um, were, were kind of outlandish in some ways because I think what, what California found was that it, it wasn't that the, the market for smoking pot got, got greater. It didn't. Like it didn't, it right. didn't grow as much. It was like, oh, it's the new red wine. It's like, no, actually the people who smoke pot are just the people who smoke pot. Why right. is this different? Why do you think gambling, sports gambling, sports betting, you know, like for instance, I, I love sports. I'm obsessed with sports. I don't bet. Um, why right. is this going to lead to more actual betting versus just, I don't know, like the people who bet before will continue to bet? 
I, 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 you're right, but I think I think I think that sort of the, the disconnect between that and the numbers is that market already exists. Yeah, it's not a new market. There's you know, if if for example, New, new Jersey in 2020 was on pace before the pandemic and we wiped out March Madness, which is a huge source of betting revenue. But for example, I mean, New Jersey itself was on pace for this year to be a $5 billion um, wagering. Mm-hmm. So just legalizing and, the existing market is, is big enough. Um, well, you're taking, the market exists. Yeah. It, the market exists. It was, it, it's, it's not that more people are betting. I think there's some obvious, I think there's some, like I'm, I'm going to try to get you at some point too, not in terms of, be, I don't want you to become an addict, <laughs> I, okay, I, you yeah, know, I'm, I'm a crazy better, but, 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 you know, we're going to, you know, there's, 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 there's things that I could do that may, you know, attract, may make it fun for you. For example, um, like peer to peer betting. Do you ever talk to a buddy and say, I bet you a beer that your Philly's going to win or lose? I mean, yeah, I like mean some, like that? sometimes, but I'll be honest with you. Um, You're this not is going to be so, right, so uninteresting people. Mark but no, my, my general thing is I don't like fantasy sports. <laughs> I don't like betting and stuff like this. Yeah. And, and the reason is I'm a very logical person, but I'm also a yeah. very passionate Philadelphia sports fan. And I will make decisions that go against logic when it comes to Philadelphia sports teams. I will never, ever bet. So how were you when they won the Super Bowl? I, were you in freaking tears? I, I was in Japan. And it was the most amazing Monday I've ever had in my life. Um, I was in an Indian so, Indian nightclub when it went down. Um, so, final thing, I just want to like wrap yeah. this up um, uh, here. Um, we we went all this time without talking about coronavirus. There is no sports happening right now. There are there is Correct. Belarusian um, table tennis going on. I'm told. Um, the bet is this is coming back. There's too much money. It's coming back this summer. They're going to put people in a bubble, whatever. They're going to do whatever they have to do. The NFL has never um, really seemed that interested in player safety. So, uh, um, right? I actually never thought of it like that. I don't think that's interesting. (laughs) Yeah. So that is like you expect major sports to be back this summer. Correct. That is correct. Correct. Uh, we we not only expected it. We um, one of the things we also didn't talk about. I mean, listen, this is horrendous, right? I mean, the numbers are just st- staggering. You know, hundred thousand deaths mm-hmm. that we just saw um, north, south of the border, all over the world, sure. right? Um, and here we are worrying about sports. Kind of crazy, um, but that's the world we live in, and. Um, you know, we deal with it, right? I have 250 people working for me, um, their families, their, the, it, it's lives, it's lives, right? So, you know, we were very, very fortunate in that, you know, our, you know, our, we had capital um, in place prior to the pandemic because we were building to build for this enormous onslaught of sports betting, right? And then when the pandemic hit and everything shut down, um, you know, obviously it affects everybody. Um, you know, we had to tighten our belt. Uh, we had to cut expenses where we could, but we were in the forced position. We didn't have to lay off anybody. We kept our whole team working full steam ahead because um, you knew it was going to come back at some point and whether it was September, October, or hopefully sometime in the amidst the summer, which it looks like it will now because of NHL and NBA and Hopefully baseball settles, these guys settle who's going to take which part of the pie and they're actually going to play ball. Um, mm-hmm. So 
there's so much pent up demand for sports. A, to watch it. B, to, to, to bet on it, as is evidenced by what other people are betting on. So we kept our focus saying, look, we just want to continue to build our product. We want to be ready when this, I, I think, onslaught comes back because um, you're also going to see a lot of sports all at the same time. I mean, if you got baseball, you got basketball, you got hockey all stretched to the end of this, and then you got football coming on. I mean, it's going to be like mm-hmm. March Madness every day, right? L- and- Let me ask you this. What are you seeing in, I'm sure everyone's looking for sort of signposts, I think, for for what how things are going to unfold in, in all sorts mm-hmm. of aspects of life. Um, you know, the Bundesliga is back. Um, did, did betting levels go higher? Do you know that data at all? Um, we, um, I don't know the data in Europe. I don't know, you know, there. I know um, that was the first sort of, I want to say, legitimate sport. I mean, you Nothing know, against Belarusian table tennis? Yeah, which I told you earlier, we did get on and it's hard. <laughs> I, I, I'm amazed. Those are the people amazed. with the problem. I'm sorry. Amazed. <laughs> you know, it's, it's evidently the games are like 20 minutes, so... People are banging it, and then there's another game, and there's another game. But with sorry, with with uh, Bundesliga, um, you know, we saw quite a bit of action on that, and um, uh, I'm not back to where it was, um, and and certainly maybe not at EPL levels because that's where you know predominant a lot of the European soccer betting comes in on. But um, it's there; it's clearly there. Um, it, it, you know, I, I think there's going to be a mad rush to it. And what we wanted to do was continue to improve our product, make sure these integrations on the betting and the media app were um, uh, were continued to be developed, so that by the time we came out of this, we'd even be further ahead. Because there's opportunities too. Don't forget in New Jersey, for example, um, we got to New Jersey a year behind everybody else. So, um, and now what's happened is there's like a complete reset. New Jersey's going to open up again, probably sometime in the next couple of months. And it's going to be like all these horses at the gate ready to sort of burst out at the same time. So we want to, we wanted to be in better shape. And that's why we're so fortunate to have our developers, our marketing guys, our product guys, everybody sort of continuing to work to, to come out with a, a, a even more enhanced product, um, when things happen. And then you layer on top what you mentioned earlier, which is we were more aggressive than most in terms of thinking about how many states are going to be there over the next year, two years. And now we've revised our projections because we think a lot of the states that were on the bubble because they were um, you know, nervous about launching into sports betting or they were listening to some of their lobbyists that, that had vested interest and said, no, slow play that because we want this to be good. The budget shortfalls are too great. This is Correct. just too and, and easy of money. Listen, and it's, you know, rightfully they so. They, they spent where they had to spend. People needed, sure. businesses had to be supported. People had to be supported in terms of being continued to work, right? But that's trillions of dollars that they're now trying to recover. And I don't care what side of the political fence you're on. Um, the reality is um, that things have to, you know. The spreadsheet is the spreadsheet. The governments are going to have to start to figure out how to, to replenish those coffers. Okay, John, I could do this all day, but uh, we're going to leave it there. Um, this was, uh, I hope it was good. This was I really hope it was great. Helpful. I uh, really appreciate you, uh, you joining us. My pleasure. It was great. And thank you all for joining us this week uh, for the Digiday Podcast. We'll be back next week with a new episode.